Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Covecast. Today we are going to go through the exciting features announced at the WWDC Keynote. iOS 15, watchOS 8, macOS Monterey, and iPadOS 15. Daniel, do you want to tell us about the changes in iOS 15? Yep, so there are quite a few of them. So the biggest ones they started off with were a lot of changes to FaceTime. The first one is spatial audio for FaceTime calls. Woohoo! I'm yes. super excited about this. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited about it. The voices of the people that you're talking to, they come from the direction that they're on the screen in the conversation. So they want to make it sound like your conversations are happening in real life when you're actually sitting face to face with somebody. They added portrait mode, which blurs the background and puts the focus on you during the call. Just like you can take portrait photos now, now that's being brought to FaceTime to kind of blur your background so it just focuses on you. They don't see what's all in your background and they're not focusing on that instead of you. They added voice isolation mode, which basically strips out all the ambient noise so people outside or dogs barking in the next room won't interrupt your call. That's literally what it says on the page. <laughs> Right, and apparently you can switch between that and full-spectrum sound, which to me sounds like you can basically choose to turn off noise cancellation. Right now, you don't really have that option. You're just kind of stuck with, this is what it sounds like, and we hope you like it. Yeah, the wide-spectrum mode is actually next. It's what she basically described. It brings every single sound into your call. It's ideal for when you're taking music lessons or want your friends to hear everything that's happening in space or in your space around you. Grid view lets you see people in your FaceTime calls in the same size tiles and highlights the current speaker so it's easy to know who's talking. I definitely like that better than the floating faces that they tried to announce last time. And it's just like, nobody really wants to look at that. And so then they introduced a feature so you could turn that off and we're like, Thank you. You can invite your friends into a FaceTime call using a web link. So everybody on Android and Windows can finally use FaceTime on the web. Yay! Yay! This is very exciting. And you can definitely tell this was inspired by Zoom. The pandemic basically forced them to rethink how FaceTime works because most people weren't using it for business purposes. They were using Zoom and other conferencing apps because there wasn't a way to share a FaceTime call and make it cross-platform and schedule and have links and, and stuff. So now yeah. they're bringing all that capability to FaceTime, which is great. Including calendar integration. So you can generate a link to the FaceTime call in your calendar event. So people know, hey, this is where we're having this meeting or discussion. Be on FaceTime at this time. Here's your calendar link so you don't forget. Invite anyone to join you on a FaceTime call, even friends who don't have an iOS device. How does it identify all the people in the call? Like, is it based on Apple ID or based on phone number? Or how does that work if, like, it's not through an iPhone? You know what I mean? There's no login. So, so yeah. yeah, how does that work? So if we create like a public event and we share it, say, for instance, on Twitter and anyone can join this FaceTime call, mm. are they going to get all of our personal information then? Like, is it going to show like, our phone numbers or, or how does that work? Mute alerts lets you know 
when you're talking while muted and it will send alert to your phone and says, hey, you're muted, you tap it and it unmutes your microphone. They added an optical zoom for the back camera. Helps you zero down on what matters when you're on a FaceTime call. I've tried to show people stuff on FaceTime and had a little bit of trouble, so maybe that will help. I think with that. that's, yeah, I think that's what that's for. <laughs> now we're getting to the really the cool stuff. They added something called SharePlay to FaceTime. You can basically watch something together, like a movie or a TV show, while you're on a FaceTime call with anybody else that's on the call, and it's perfectly in sync. One person starts whatever they want to watch and shares it to everybody. You can watch things. You can listen to music. Listen to music. Mm -hmm. Share your screen. If this is as accessible as I'm hoping it's going to be, that's going to be pretty fantastic. Share your screen to bring web pages, apps, and more right into your conversation on FaceTime. And I love that it is also compatible with other operating systems. So mm -hmm. people can be watching on their Mac or on their Apple TV and be on FaceTime as well. And it, I think that's really cool the way they've integrated it with yeah. all the different platforms. It also has an API. So that means that developers can integrate SharePlay into their apps. It might be possible that we could see like games that are meant to be played like on FaceTime. And so, right, yeah, exactly, like the, it's super The exciting. accessibility for games so just goes up. People like... can play together, like a card game or something, right? So like mm -hmm. you can all play with your friends and it's all integrated on FaceTime. They added something called smart volume. Dynamically responsive volume controls automatically adjust volume so you can hear your friends even during a loud scene or climactic course. They added a shared music cue. That seems like fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely inspired by Spotify. Spotify has that thing where you can like play, listen together. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot exactly what it was called, but it's for I like just listen music. together. I think, yeah, oh, really? Uh -huh. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, and it's <laughs> it's for like premium users, and they can create like a playlist and stuff. But for people who don't use Spotify as much and prefer Apple Music. I'm glad that this is an option. They still need shared playlists in general. That would be nice. Who knows? I'm not done reading this page. We Maybe might it's there. find it. <laughs> I hope it's there. I hope so. Connect over FaceTime on your iPhone while watching video on your Apple TV or listening to music on your Mac or on your HomePod. Actually, access your group's messages thread right from FaceTime and choose the mode of communication that matches the moment. If you're watching something together and you don't want to talk over what you're watching, then you can message instead, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. so. That is super cool. Now we are on to what they did for messages. They added something called shared with you where content sent to you over messages automatically appears in the new shared with you section so you can enjoy it when it's convenient for you. So if it's photos, it's going to show up in the photos. photos app. Photos that are relevant to you will automatically appear in your library as well. But then there's also a shared with you section. A news link would be in the news app. TV shows would be in the TV app. There's a shared with you section there as well. And it just makes it easier to find content that people shared with you whenever you're actually ready, ready to consume it. So say, for example, I send a... Uh album link in Apple Music to a group, it'll just be right there and everybody can listen to it whenever they want to. Right. Rather than scrolling through a message thread that's bound to get, <laughs> it's bound to get lost in the shuffle. Exactly. Or trying to search or for search it. Or search for it. Mm -hmm. You can pin 
content that's especially interesting to you up at the top of whatever app it'll be in. So it's just right there kind of staring you in the face like, hey, look at this or listen to this. (laughs) It's right there. You can just pin it there. Um, You can see who sent it and tap the sender's name to view the associated messages and start talking about what they shared. Photos sent to you automatically appear in photos. You can look at photo collections. Uh, They're a glanceable collage, or you can swipe through them as a stack. Tap a new save button right in the messages conversation. That's cool. Various types of new emoji, emojis, colors, glasses, new emoji stickers, multicolor headwear, new accessibility emojis. Yay! uh, Cochlear implants, oxygen tubes, or a soft helmet. Mm Mm-hmm this new focus feature, which is cool. Match your devices to your mindset with focus. Automatically filter notifications based on what you're currently doing. Turn on do not disturb to switch everything off or to choose from a suggested focus for work, personal task, fitness, gaming, reading, or driving. When you're setting up a focus on device intelligence about your past apps and people you want to allow notifications from, it'll suggest all that as a focus to set up. Right, so you won't get any notifications from any apps you don't really want to at that particular time or hear from any people you don't necessarily want to hear from at a certain time. So like if it's in the evening, you might not want to be able to receive messages from work contacts, for instance. So you won't get notified about that kind of stuff or work apps or email apps, for instance. They have focused contextual suggestions. Get intelligent suggestions about selecting a focus based on your context using different signals like location and time of day. Customize a focus to filter notifications based on what you're currently doing. And then it's, of course, across all your devices. You set one up on one device, it's set up on everything else. So you don't have to do all that setup again, which is super awesome. It will change the layout of your home screen based on your focus if you have it set to do that. So you could have a focus that's simply for just relaxation, I guess. And you can have different apps on your home screen, different settings applied. You can set allowed interruptions so the most important notifications from people and apps will get through to you while you're focusing. You can do status changes. Contacts outside the notifications you allow for focus will be told that your notifications are silenced, your status appears at the moment someone tries to contact you in messages so they know not to interrupt. Then you can do an auto reply. Um, You can turn on a standard one when they message you while you're focusing. They basically beefed up, do not disturb while driving. That's what they they turned this into. It's not necessarily while you're driving. So like, you know, Ashley uses do not disturb while driving while she's working. So now she can switch to using a focus instead. Mm -hmm. Very useful. Mm -hmm. Urgent messages, you can still let them go through. And if you're on the receiving end of an urgent message, you can prevent them from breaking through. So if they're just annoying you for the sake of annoying you and you're, it's actually not urgent. Kids. Mm-hmm, kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new API, so apps can even take advantage of that. For conversations in third-party messenger apps, developers can use your status to reflect that you've stepped away. So they could use it for WhatsApp and other messaging apps that people use, Telegram, things like mm-hmm. that. There's a new look for notifications. They have contact photos for the people and larger app icons. It'll be interesting to see if that's any different voiceover. Probably not. 
They have what's called a notification summary. You receive a helpful summary of your notification to deliver daily, in the morning or evening, or scheduled whenever you want. Your summary is personalized and helps you catch up on what you missed while you were away focusing. You can mute notifications. Yep, for temporarily for the next hour or for the day. Notifications across your communication apps now feature contact photos to make them easier to identify. And then they have time-sensitive notifications like reminders. They're always delivered immediately so you won't miss out on a fraud alert, um, a reminder to go pick up your kids, car waiting outside for like Uber or something. Maps, they added an interactive globe, detailed new city experience, get where you're going with step-by-step -step directions, shown in augmented reality. That's where you point your phone around at the buildings. Oh, and, it'll, right? uh, uh -huh. and it guides you where you're trying to go. Cool, yes. That could be really useful for visually impaired people. Transit as well. Mm -hmm. uh, transit map has been redesigned for the new city experience and see bus routes. When you're approaching your stop, maps notifies you when it's time to disembark. Cool. That's awesome. That's useful for visually impaired people too. Improve search. Oh, cool. So when you're searching for restaurants and stuff, you can filter the results by cuisine or if they only offer takeout or to see places that are open right now. That's cool. Heck yeah. Safari, they added a bunch of interesting, cool stuff. They have a streamlined tab bar. Uh, it takes up less room on the page and floats above the bottom of the screen. Okay, maybe that's not so fun. <laughs> we'll see. It seamlessly moves out of the way and appears once you scroll to the top. Mm -hmm. Integrated smart search field. Ah, you can tap the tab bar to search with the integrated smart search field. They added tab groups. Now tab groups is cool. That is cool. Tab groups sync across devices. So you have access to them from anywhere, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Customizable start page. New privacy protections like intelligent tracking prevention. It prevents trackers from profiling you by using your IP address. You can switch between open tabs by swiping left and right on the tab bar. That's cool. That is cool. You can also open a new tab by swiping all the way to the right. You can pull to refresh to reload a web page rather than tapping the reload icon. Web extensions, just like for Mac. You can use your voice to search. You can tap the tab overview button or swipe up to see all tabs. Wallet. Home keys. You can use your phone to unlock your door. Now, I'm sure people are going to be thinking, oh, but you can already do that with HomeKit. Yeah, but this takes the voice assistant aspect out of it. And it makes it more seamless because before you had to do a bunch of steps to make Fish it work. Fish out your phone. Yeah. Tell her you want to unlock your door. Oh, we need authentication from you. Do all that. Now you just tap your phone against the NFC reader. Or there was there were ways to automate it, but you had to like do some workarounds and stuff. So I think this will make it easier because now since it's just using NFC, you can just touch your watch or your phone to the door and it should unlock. Yep. And it's all on the wallet app. Like your home key your keys just there. Yeah, that's cool. With your car <laughs> keys and your your cards and your passes and mm -hmm. your entire life. You yep, there's hotel keys. Office keys for supported yeah. corporate offices. All that's going to be super cool. 
I think it's cool that like you can get your hotel key before you ever even arrive at the hotel because I know like when we went to the NFB convention, by the time we made it to the hotel, I was just like dead We tired. were so tired. We didn't want to mess with getting hotel keys and waiting. Yeah. <laughs> so can so... you imagine if we already had them on our phones? Like mm. we've already done everything. We don't have to stand in, in lines waiting to, to speak to someone. We can just like go to our room and that's it. Like crash. They added some features for car keys. Okay, I don't drive, so... Yeah, I know. They added ultra-wideband support for car keys, so you cannot start your phone. Wow. What? You can't start your car without your phone inside. Wow. Keyless entry controls. You can honk your horn and preheat your car and do all that. From your phone. From your phone. Cool. Next one that is super awesome, and I'm so happy and excited for it. You can add your ID cards to Wallet, finally. Yay! Driver's licenses and state IDs. What is a wallet? I don't know. Yeah, what, what is a physical wallet? What? What is this? <laughs> uh, you'll be able to do it in supported states in late 2021. We oh, don't come know. Come on, North Carolina, please. We don't. Yeah, we don't know what states are supported yet. But please, come on, North, North Carolina, Carolina, please. You can add multiple passes to wallet in one action instead of manually clicking a billion links. Oh, that's good. So if I travel somewhere. I don't have to click 14 billion links to add yes. my boarding passes. Yes. <laughs> Thank goodness. Live text in photos. Yay! Yes! This is really, really awesome. I'm so excited. And you. this is one of those features you can tell. It's, it comes from them trying to figure out what's in photos for us to help us as blind and visually impaired people know what's in photos. But it's actually going to be beneficial for literally everyone. Text is now completely interactive in all your photos, so you can use functions like copy and paste, look up, and translate. Live text works in photos, screenshot, and in live previews with camera. So yes, in theory, I could just use a live preview that is of so something, neat. point the camera at something, and if there's text on a TV screen, it, it should, should it. pull it. Oh my goodness. And it's really cool because, like, you can select text and you can copy it somewhere else and mm -hmm. everything. Like, it's, like they said, completely interactive. That's so awesome. Visual lookup. Swipe up or tap the information button on any photo to highlight recognized objects and scenes. Art and landmarks around the world. Plants and flowers, books, etc. And breeds of pets. It's funny, actually, because iOS sometimes thinks Dash is a cat. Yep. So maybe it so, will actually tell us that he's not a cat. Sometimes sometimes it just says that he's a dog. Sometimes it realizes he's a chihuahua. And sometimes it thinks he's a cat. Spotlight has some updates. Rich results brings all the information you're looking for in one single result. This is cool. So like if you search for one of your contacts, it will bring in all the information about that person into the search. So like if I search for him, I'm going to see his name and I'm going to see all of his contact information. I can FaceTime him. I can call him, email him or anything like that. Any photos of him will show up. His location and Find My will show up. Anything he's sent me, like links and stuff, will show up. And any files we have together will show up. Yep. It works for actors, movies, musicians, and TV shows as well. You can search in your full photo library by location, scenes, people. Even things in the photos, like a dog or a car, find images and messages by including a contact name in the search. Web images. You can access Spotlight from the lock screen now. I'll probably disable that, but yep. that's cool. I'm definitely disabling that. App clips and maps results 
So for businesses that support app clips, there's an action button and you can do a bunch of stuff like order and call them. Improved app store search, you can quickly install apps from the app store without leaving Spotlight. That's actually kind of cool. I think I'll use that a lot. A bunch of photos updates like Apple Music and Memories. It syncs your memories to Apple Music songs. Even songs that you like actually listen to, it syncs it to the beat and if you tap and hold on a picture, it will pause, but the music will continue to play. And then as soon as you let go, it will resynchronize everything. So it goes with the song and it's, mm -hmm. it's really cool. It's kind of like what people do with like TikTok videos and stuff, but it's like on your phone and your all of your photos and it applies different effects to photos to go along with whatever song. What's cool is it's not just a filter, it actually analyzes every single photo so that it looks as good as possible. You can change the the song and change the entire feel of, of a memory. You can do song suggestions. So say for example, I was at a concert, which I did not take a lot of pictures of, but during the memory, the, the suggestions can be songs from that artist because of the concert. That's so cool. And yeah, that's cool. Customize your memory by swiping through mixes which lets you audition different songs for pacing and a look to match. There's new memory types, additional national holidays, child-focused memories, trends, and improved pet memories. You can get more info about a photo now. Swipe up on a photo or tap the info button to view info such as the camera, lens, and shutter speed, file size, or who sent it was shared with you. Cool. You can do the location, add a caption, and learn about items detected by visual lookup. That is cool. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to have to index your whole entire photos library to do all this. Wow. <laughs> have fun with yours. I know, right? <laughs> but it's all on device, which there's a lot of nifty on device stuff that we'll get to later. Faster iCloud photos library initial sync. Oh, thank you. Yes, because that takes four. <sighs> ever limited photos library improvements in third-party apps uh, they can offer simpler selection workflows when you grant access to to specific content people identification improvements oh good we need that the people album has improved recognition for individuals well thank you I hope that improves things for our doorbell because <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of it telling us that someone is here who we know and it's really it's someone not. we do not know. Yep. That's not good. Health stuff. Uh, you can share health data with others. That's cool if you for... have like older adults that you're helping take care of. That's good. Mm -hmm. Share notifications. They can get notifications about somebody's high heart rate or regular rhythm and stuff. If my grandma, for instance, were to have an Apple Watch, which she doesn't, but for example, those notifications could go to my mom, who is a nurse and also lives nearby. And so if she needs to go check on her, she can just get the notification and go make sure check she's okay. You can share health trends with messages. You can share your health data with your doctor, send it right to their info records mm -hmm. system. Trends analysis in the health app. See how stuff changes over time, whether it's increasing or decreasing. Mm -hmm. You can get notifications when an insightful trend has been detected. Walking steadiness for people that tend to fall easily. A custom algorithm that assesses your balance, strength, and gait. 
You can choose a notification when your walking strength is low or very low. There's curated exercises that also help you improve your walking steadiness. Lab results enhancements. Yep, so basically they're going to help you understand your labs. Instead of just providing a bunch of data that you don't understand, they're going to try to make it easier for the regular person who is not a medical professional to actually be able to read their labs, which is great. COVID-19 immunizations and test results. You can scan a QR code from your healthcare provider and store that straight in the health app. Blood glucose levels during sleep, is during exercises and interactive charts. There's a bunch of cool stuff going on with mail. Yes, I'm very excited. Mail privacy protection helps protect your privacy by preventing email senders from learning information about your mail activity. Mm -hmm. If you choose to turn it on, it hides your IP address. Yay. Mm -hmm. So senders can't link it to your online activity or determine your location. The way I've been preventing tracking is by turning off all images in mail. The only problem with this is some emails do not show up properly because of it, but it also blocks most tracking. This is nice because I'll actually be able to turn images back on and then just have prevent tracking turned on. Now in the main privacy, there's good stuff going on here. Uh, there's an app privacy report now. Section and settings, it'll let you see how often apps have access to like things like location, photos, camera, microphone, contacts. A lot of app developers or a lot of, you know, bigger companies are excited about finding ways around tracking users, even though they are asking not to be tracked. And so if they're doing this stuff, you'll be able to see now that they are accessing your information when you don't want it and can do something about it. So maybe that will mean they'll have to stop doing some of the more shady things they're doing. I don't know. We'll yep. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> they added something called secure paste. Oh. Developers can allow you to paste content from another app without having access to what you pasted or what you copied until you want them to have access. Oh, that's good. Because I don't like that some apps decide to read your clipboard. Developers can let you share your current location with a customizable button within apps. Uh, it's an easy way for them to help you share your location just once without further access after that session. Oh, cool. That's cool. Siri, here we go. Undevised speech processing. It's been 10 years too late <laughs> for this feature. It should have happened Yay! immediately. We are so happy. <sighs> Basically, you do not need an internet connection to use Siri for a lot of tasks like opening apps or setting timers or alarms, dictating, anything like that. It can just do all the processing on your device. You don't have to use the internet and it makes everything so much faster. Yay. They actually had a demo for that and it was so cool. They were just like jumping from one thing to the next. Like, boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom. It was so cool. That should have happened at least maybe five years ago. I can see the first couple years of series existence. You know, they would need some sort, some sort of dedicated servers and stuff to process all those requests. But these devices have gotten so powerful over the last couple years that every year they don't add this. I'm just like, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness, finally. On-device personalization. Ah, the speech recognition and understanding improves as you use it. It learns the context you interact with the most, new words you type, and topics you read about. So it doesn't do any of this on a server. Apple doesn't have access to any of your this data. You can share things directly through Siri now. Share items on screen like photos, web pages, content from Apple Music and podcasts, 
news stories, maps, locations, and more. What? Say, send this to whoever. <gasps> cool! And if it can't be shared, it offers to send a screenshot instead. What? What? I that is that. I that is cool okay that's the first very new thing that i've found that's so cool that is awesome yay accessibility refer to contacts on screen siri can now use on-screen context to send a message or place a call for example if you're looking at a contact in the contacts app or a conversation with someone or a notification of a message or missed call from someone you can say message to them i'm on my way it will send it to the appropriate contact that's neat. That is cool. All right. Mm-hmm. I love so that. So every time my dad calls and blows my phone up every five minutes, I'm guessing just say, call him back, and it'll work. You know what is interesting about this? What about those times when I only have the ability to use my phone one-handed? I could use Siri to respond to things. They have a one-handed keyboard, right? But I'm left-handed. So if I use the left-handed keyboard, I still can't reach the send button with my left <laughs> yeah, hand. Yeah, you can just say send it. The same thing with um, the dictate and the audio message stuff. That's all on the right-hand side. So I cannot reach it with my left hand. That'll be great for me. Mm -hmm. Siri is even better at maintaining context between requests. Oh, thank God. <sighs> really? Yes. For example, asking, is Glacier National Park still open? You could ask, how long does it take to get there? And she'll know how long does it take to get there to Glacier National Park. She's oh. not going to be like, what? What are you talking about? That's good. It's about time. <laughs> Thank goodness. Announce notifications. This is new for AirPods. Accessibility. Accessibility, yep. <laughs> Siri automatically announces time-sensitive and incoming notifications and AirPods. You can also have notifications that are not time-sensitive enabled for any app through settings. Announce messages and CarPlay. Oh, cool. <gasps> good. Uh -huh. That'll be good for my mom. Oh, yeah. She needs that. Yep. Control smart home devices at a specific time. What? You can now ask Siri to turn off my lights at 7 p.m. Neat. Or turn off all the lights when I leave. Oh, that's neat. That is cool. Apple ID stuff. There's some really good stuff they're doing with Apple ID. Account recovery contacts. Thank goodness. <laughs> so I don't know if anybody's been through their horribly long, frustrating, inconvenient, disgusting. I could think of several other adjectives to describe Apple's account recovery. If you forget your password and you don't have any devices that you can get, you know, verification codes to sign into, or you just don't have any ways to reset your password, you can now add account recovery contacts to your account. Choose one or more people you trust to become an account recovery contact. So you could call somebody, they'll get a push notification for a code, and you can regain access to your account if you forget your password. That is helpful beyond. Now we just need people to actually do it because yep. yeah, like trusted phone numbers has been a thing and people don't no do it. No one does it still. Do you think it's because they don't know it exists or do you think they just don't think it's important I at the time? Maybe a little bit of both. Okay. The digital legacy program, it allows you to designate people as legacy contacts so they can access your account and personal information in the event of your death. I think that's going to be really helpful. Customers too, but I think more for support staff. I think it'll definitely help customers because if you need to get access to someone's information and you can't because you're not that person, 
yeah, and you're calling kinda, and you're trying to get help and they're like, sorry, we can't do anything. Or there's like, this huge, Can you imagine how upsetting yeah. that would be? Yep. Like, yeah, that's good. Yes. Next is iCloud Plus. I'm excited about this. Yeah, I'm excited about this too. iCloud Private Relay, aka Apple Zone VPN. It allows you to connect virtually any network and browse with Safari with even more secure and private way. Nothing is tracked. Like everything's private. Anything that's sent on your device is encrypted so no one can read it. All of the requests are sent through two separate internet relays. That's cool. No one, including Apple, can use your IP address to figure out what you're doing. Hide my email. Now that was already available for sign up with Apple. It basically created a randomized email address that the developer got. To basically forward to your existing iCloud address. The service that you're signing up for doesn't see your actual address. They don't see They it. get this random email address. Yep. And you can delete them and add new ones as needed. But now you don't have to use sign in with Apple. It can be just any website. You're like, uh, do I want to give them my email? Probably not. And then you can just revoke access. You can get rid of those and then they can't email you anymore. What? It's different, actually. This is a this is completely different than what we think it is. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hide my email allows you to create unique random email addresses so you can that forward. So you can basically give somebody this unique random email address that you created. Uh-huh. That's the same thing. And they but a a, a person can email you with that unique random email. Yes, it's the same thing. It's it's just like if so if you're signing up for a service, you can use this as well. So you can create a fake email so you don't give this random thing mm -hmm. or this random company uh, access to your actual email address. And then you decide, okay, never mind, I don't want them to email me anymore. You can get rid of it. And then so they can't, they just can't email you. Yep. And they can't use your email address to track you because you have these random email addresses <laughs> in different places. And so, yes, you could give it to a person as well and they can email you. But yes, it is the it's same thing. It's meant for companies and stuff. It, it's meant to protect your privacy, basically. Yep, that is coming in a software update to iOS 15, so it won't be available at launch. More HomeKit secure video cameras can be connected. Unlimited. This ups it from five to unlimited, so that's very, very, very exciting. Unlimited if you have the two terabyte plan. Any oh, okay. other plan is, the 200 gig plan is five. Was it five before? Because I feel like it was, it was only one? It was one for every plan, but the two terabyte plan before. Okay. So now so, two terabyte plan people. Plus. Yes. So basically what that means is if you're already paying for an iCloud storage subscription, you get all these new iCloud Plus features. I'm very excited. The funny thing is the VPN stuff, I was literally talking about that this morning. And then they announced basically a VPN service. Yep. <laughs> like what? What? That's funny. Uh-huh. Custom email domain. You can personalize your iCloud email address with a custom domain name and invite family members to use the same domain with their iCloud account. Super awesome. Can't wait to try that. Yeah. So the interesting thing to me is that creates another inbox instead of just like forwarding to your existing iCloud. So it's basically a new iCloud it's a new address. iCloud address. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. It's tied to your existing account, but it's a new email inbox. So you could keep your existing iCloud and then create a new one 
for a domain. Mm -hmm. That's all the main stuff. Then they have this even more section. Goes over some accessibility features that were pre-announced. Yay, accessibility. Um, you can explore images in greater detail with voiceover. Yes, including tables. The columns and headers and, and everything. Yep. It's, it's people, very exciting. Yes, people. Objects, text, images. You can navigate receipts. Move your finger over a photo to discover a person's position relative to other objects within the image. Yeah, seeing AI does something like that, right? It does something like that. But, but it's not, not nearly that as good. No, it's yeah. not as good. Markup lets you add image descriptions that can be read by voiceover. So if people are marking up their photos and they send you a photo and it has a properly added image description, voiceover can read that. Sound actions for switch control. So if you can't speak, you can make various sound noises mm -hmm. with mouse sounds, like click, pop. Background sounds, I can't wait for that. Plays various sounds to keep you focused or to keep you calm. They play balanced, bright, or dark noise sounds, or ocean, rain, and stream. Customized display text settings on an app-per-app -app basis. Yeah, that's really exciting to me. The only thing is, I think developers have to implement it, so that's it the only problem. It doesn't say that here. You can import audiograms in paper or PDF form to quickly customize headphone accommodations to amplify certain sounds and adjust certain frequencies. Yep, so if you have an audiologist and you have a hearing impairment, you can get that audiogram and import it to automatically customize your headphones so you can hear everything. That's yep. very exciting. Magnifier becomes a default app on iOS so you can use your iPhone as a magnifying glass to zoom in on objects near you. I think that's really good because a lot of people don't know Magnifier exists and a lot of people who are not necessarily legally blind but do have some vision impairment might really benefit from using Magnifier. Mm -hmm. And I bet you a lot of people just use the camera app because they don't know Magnifier exists. Magnifier app is way more full-featured. Contrast and colors, it just makes it very easy to use as an actual magnification device instead of like taking pictures of things. What's really cool is it's not just saved in your photo library, so you don't like have these random pictures of, of things <laughs> in your photo library. Whatever you've saved in the magnifier is there whenever you go back to it. So Oh, I didn't um, even know that. That's cool. You can reorder home screen pages from the app library, I guess. New app store stuff, in-app events, developers can let people know. Timely events within apps or games such as a competition, a new movie premiere, stream experience, etc. Right on the app store. There's an app store widget. See the stories, collections, and apps app events from your today tab right on your home screen no thanks yeah no thanks i'm good <laughs> new features for apple card advanced fraud protection apple card users can have a security code that changes regularly a new payment sheet design for apple pay you can add new cards to apple pay without ever leaving that sheet so if the card you want to use for a specific transaction is not there I don't have to click cancel, go to settings, go to wallet, do all that. I can just That's do good. it directly from the page. And improved panorama captures for the camera. Zoom and quick take video. Oh, you can, while you're taking a quick take video, you can swipe up or down to zoom in or out. Cool, yay! Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about that. Quick take video is awesome. Yes. New find my features, live location, 
updates for family and friends. See your family and friends location with continuous streaming of updates. This provides an immediate sense of direction, speeds, and progress. I try to watch people to figure out where they're going and I just have to wait for it to update. It's like, oh, they're over here. Now they're over here. And I'm like, what? Where yeah. are they going like, exactly? Uh -huh. So I think that's cool that <laughs> it'll just allow you to just see where they're going. Yep. You can finally locate your device when powered off and locate them after a race. How? What? The Find My Network and Activation Lock can locate your device even after it's been erased. So as long as Activation Lock is on, you yep. can still find it. So even if like someone steals your device and they manage to erase it, you can still find it. To help ensure that nobody is tricked into purchasing your device, the hello screen will clearly show that your device is locked, locatable, and still yours. That's oh, awesome. Oh, thank goodness. Separation alerts. Enable separation alerts, and if you leave a device, air tag, or th compatible third-party item behind, your iPhone will alert you with notifications. That is so cool. They mentioned this in relation to AirPods, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that it also applies to other items. Mm -hmm. That's other so third cool. Other items, yep. So the separation feature that they um, originally did for AirTags, they just expanded it. You don't get notified when you leave your AirTag. Now mm -hmm. it's new, I guess. No, remember that was three out. It was three days, and then they changed no, it to eight hours. No, this is this is immediate. This is not three days or three hours. This is immediate. Oh, this is immediate. If it's you go out of range from the device and it assumes you have left it, it will tell you. You will immediately oh, get a notification so if you that leave tells you you've left it. And don't have your keys with you. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Oh. If you leave and you forget your keys or if you leave and forget your AirPods. What I'm interested to see is if you could turn that off for a device or for an item that you know that you, you probably occasionally can. will leave. Yeah, you somewhere. probably can. Use the Find My Network to get an approximate location of your missing AirPods Pro or Max. Even if they're in the case. So you can still track your AirPods even if they're in the case now, which is a huge improvement. Mm -hmm. And you can have it play a sound even in the case. There's a Find My widget you can add to your home screen. Yay. Yep, I'm adding that. New stuff for 5G for the two people that are on 5G plans. <laughs> <laughs> Support to back up to iCloud and restore what? Stream audio and video on Apple and third-party apps. Download higher quality Apple TV Plus content. Sync photos to iCloud photos. 5G preferred over Wi-Fi if your Wi-Fi signal's awful and you have a 5G plan. HomeKit developers will be able to enable Siri in their products through HomePod. They showed us a thermostat, for example, using Siri to do pretty much anything you do with Siri. And it's in your thermostat. Like that Yeah, is... it looked like um it looked like an Ecobee. So I wonder if Ecobee is gonna support this because they support HomeKit. So. They're one of the first to support the new HomeKit features. Yeah. Package detection for secure video doorbells. Yes. That's gonna be awesome. Mm -hmm. Magnification loop for text cursor and selection. You can select the text you want with an improved cursor that magnifies the text you're looking at. Thank you. <laughs> I knew a thank you was coming for that one. <laughs> I hate the way text selection works right now. Continuous dictation. You don't have to be impeded by a one minute timeout. You can just keep going. Thank you. And going. Thank you. And going. Thank you. And doo -doo. I'm done. <laughs> So custom, now we're on notes. Okay. Yeah, tag browser, mm -hmm. tags, custom smart folders. 
Oh, wow. The new activity view gives a summary of updates to a note since the last time you viewed it. Oh, that's neat. That's cool, yeah. Mentions, so you get notified if somebody mentions you in a note. Passwords, here we go. Built-in authenticator. No more third-party authenticator app. This is really great because I have avoided using that type of two-step authentication because I cannot stand having to go into another app and copy a code and come back. Like, it just feels so clunky to me. So maybe this will help because it can automatically paste in the codes as well. Yes, it so auto that'll be nice. Now we're on to reminders. They also include tags, tag browser, custom smart list, just like the notes app. Delete completed reminders. Oh, yay. Improve natural language support. Ah, so you can type like jog every other morning and it will know to create a reminder based on those settings. You can announce reminders on your AirPods. Downtime on demand. During downtime, only phone calls and apps you choose to allow will be available. A five minute downtime reminder will be sent and downtime will be turned on till the end of the day. New things for settings. iOS now offers a choice between two software update versions in the settings app. You can update to the latest version, iOS 15, or you can just go with security updates for iOS 14. That's really good for people who don't want to update for whatever reason, like if you're on an older device and you don't really want to slow it down by updating to iOS 15, you can stay on 14. This is really cool. Temporary iCloud storage. Now when you buy a device, you can use iCloud backup to move the data to the new device, even when you're low on storage. iCloud will grant you as much storage as you need to complete the backup, free of charge for up to three weeks. That's awesome. That is cool. Mm -hmm. I think that was the biggest problem with this five gigabyte storage plan. I still think they need to increase that. Which they do need to increase that to 25. But that, that helps with one of the pain points at least. Yep. More content gets transferred from Android if you're moving. Photo albums, files and folders, and accessibility settings. Oh. Oh. So if you had TalkBack on on an Android phone and you moved to iPhone and moved your settings, it turns on voiceover for you. And oh. Zoom. And things like that. There's new shortcut stuff, cross-device management of shortcuts, improved sharing. Remember how we had to manage those complicated security settings and we could never run that stuff? What are you talking about? For sharing shortcuts, we could never run them. Yeah, it wouldn't let me because it was grayed out for some reason. Now they changed that. Oh, good, because that was annoying. Because it was like, oh, you have to run a shortcut first. And I've run many shortcuts, yet I still couldn't turn that on. Smart prompts only allow you to share the data you want. Next action suggestions help you complete the shortcut you're building. There is now system-wide translation for the Translate app. It's literally built into the operating system. You can copy, save, replace selected text or open it in the Translate app. Translate selected text and photos into a different language. Auto translation. Translate speech without tapping the microphone in the conversation. Face-to-face -face view. Each person can see the conversation from their own side if it's in face-to-face -face view. Voice memos. You can adjust the playback speed. You can skip silence with one tap. It analyzes the recording and improved sharing. Ah, share multiple voice memos recordings at once. Weather, weather maps, full screen maps, they're different. Next hour precipitation notifications, yay! <gasps> yay! They did it. They redesigned the weather app, new animated backgrounds, and then widgets. There's a find my widget contacts widget, game center, app store, sleep, mail. When you upgrade, you'll see new default layouts for widgets with apps you use. 
most arranged in smart stacks. Oh, cool. Widgets for apps you already use can appear in your smart stacks. And there we go. That is the end. Yay! Yay! <laughs> wow, that was long. That's a lot of stuff. Oh a my lot of goodness. awesome stuff. I'm excited. Me too. Okay, so next up we have iPad OS 15. A lot of the features we discussed in the iOS 15 section also apply to the iPad OS 15 section and Mac OS as well. I'm going to do my best not to cover anything we've already talked about, but if you are curious about every single feature coming to each platform, I will put the links that we are using in the show notes. You are definitely welcome to check out the links for yourself if you're curious. One of the biggest changes in iPadOS 15 is going to be improved multitasking. This is definitely needed because multitasking on the iPad has always been very difficult. A lot of people have said this, so this isn't just like, oh, I haven't used an iPad that much, so I don't know what I'm doing. People who use an iPad every day have trouble with multitasking. So I'm very excited that they are working to improve this. There's going to be a new multitasking menu at the top of every window so you can put an app in split view or you can put it in full screen you can also put a window in the center of the screen or you can close the window using this multitasking menu you'll now have access to all apps when you go into split view so when you put one app into split view mode it moves aside to reveal the home screen so you can access that to get to another app. So that's exciting. That should definitely make things a lot easier. You can touch and hold on an email message, a note, or a message conversation and just quickly open it in the center just to preview the content without leaving your current view. They now have a shelf. When you open an app, there's a shelf at the bottom of the screen that shows you all the open windows for that particular app. You can swipe it away or you can choose which window you want from the shelf. That should make things easier to see how many open windows you have for an app. The app switcher has been improved to include slide over apps. It also allows you to create split view apps by dragging one app over another. Another improvement in iPadOS 15 is improvements to external keyboard support, which is really great because a lot of people use their iPads with a keyboard. And of course, this is great for accessibility as well. They have redesigned the keyboard shortcuts bar. Basically, they've made the keyboard shortcuts bar smaller so you can access more of the app behind it. They've improved the keyboard shortcuts view. Keyboard shortcuts are now organized by category. They've added more keyboard shortcuts across the system. The globe key is also now a modifier. They've added full keyboard navigation, including support for highlighting text fields and buttons using the tab key. That's the end of the keyboard section. Next up, we have widgets. Finally, they've allowed you to place widgets on the home screen wherever you like, just like on iOS. Before, you could only have widgets on the side but now you can place them wherever you want on your home screen among other apps. Widgets remain in place whether you're using your iPad in portrait or landscape. They have new widgets for App Store, Contacts, Find My, Game Center, and Mail. 
They also have a new widget size just for the iPad, which allows you to get more information on the larger screen. So that's exciting. Next up, we have the app library. This is great because I love the app library on iOS. It will definitely be great to have that on the iPad to clean up all the extra home screens and all the extra apps that you don't necessarily need to see all the time. What's really cool is Unlike on iOS, the app library is actually in the dock, so you can just access it from anywhere, even if you're in an app. Next up, we have Quick Note. So all the same notes features we talked about before, like activity view, tags support, smart folders, mentions, all that stuff, of course, applies to the iPad as well. But what's great about the iPad and macOS is you can also create these quick notes, which on iOS, you can just see them and edit them. This quick note feature is really awesome. You just swipe up from the bottom right corner of the iPad using either your finger or the Apple Pencil. It brings up like a little note that you can then resize and you can write in, you can drag information into it or highlight information on a page and it will associate it with that quick note. You can also access quick notes from the keyboard or control center, so that's good. It's available anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're on the home screen or in an app and split view. Yep, it's adaptable. You can adjust the size. Yep, you can hide it away on the side so you can quickly bring it back to add information later. You can add links from an app to create context. When you return to the same place in the app or website, the thumbnail of the quick note will appear to remind you of what you added earlier. This is really cool. Persistent highlights with Safari. Keep track of websites you visited by highlighting text or images in Safari and adding them directly into your note. That's it for Quick Note, and that's it for iPad OS. Next up, we have Watch OS 8. Unfortunately, they did not have a full feature list like they did for iOS 15 and iPad OS 15. There's really not that much, so I guess it makes sense. <laughs> the first section they've highlighted is photos. You can have portrait mode photos as a watch face if you are interested in doing that. Your photo highlights and memories sync over from your iPhone. The photo collection from your memories is displayed in a unique mosaic grid. You can now share photos via messages and mail, so that's good. The next section is home. I love my HomeKit stuff, so this is exciting to me. When one of your smart home devices is activated, watchOS 8 can now give you suggestions of other accessories you might want to control that are nearby. They give an example of someone ringing the doorbell and watchOS giving you the option to turn on the lights or unlock the door. There's a new camera room so you can access all your cameras. Are you going to look at your security cameras from the watch? I guess, maybe. Two-way audio is also supported. You can now access your scenes more quickly. WatchOS 8 knows which scenes you're more likely to use based on the time of day and serves them up. This is good. The current status of all your devices is now conveniently displayed at the top of the home app screen. Instantly see if your lights or cameras are on, if your batteries are charged, or if you need to update software. 
The next section they have is messages and mail. Oh, this is great. You can now correct errors in dictation using the digital crown. You can now compose messages using dictation, scribble, and emoji all at once. GIFs are now supported on Apple Watch. They've redesigned the music app, so you can now share songs, albums, and playlists in messages and mail. The Breathe app is now called Mindfulness. They now have a new Reflect feature that helps you establish a meditation practice. A beautiful animation helps you visualize as a minute passes. I think that's something I'll have to see to really understand. Hmm. The Breathe feature has been refreshed. New visualizations and tips to help you focus, center, and connect as you breathe. Breathe and reflect sessions end with a summary of total mindful minutes you've achieved, along with your average heart rate to reinforce your mind-body connection. The next section is sleep. They now support respiratory rate while you're sleeping. The next section is workouts. They now have Pilates and Tai Chi. And this is definitely what I'm most excited about as it is an accessibility feature. We have assistive touch on Apple Watch. Built-in motion sensors help answer calls, control an on-screen pointer, and even launch actions based on hand gestures. That is so cool. Always on display now works with more apps, including alarms, maps, stopwatch, and third-party apps can now support it as well. A new contacts app so you can browse, edit, or add contacts on your Apple Watch. Not something I would do, but that's good that it's there. You can now see your real-time audio levels in Control Center when you're listening to media just like on iPhone and iPad. The weather app now supports severe weather notifications. You can get next hour precipitation alerts and see rain intensity. You can now set multiple timers on the Apple Watch and that's it for the Apple Watch. The next thing we have to talk about is macOS Monterey. The first thing is universal control. Oh, this is cool. I'm excited about this. I am too. Like, I don't think it's something I would use, but it's really cool what they've done. It's something I definitely want to try. I wonder how it would work with voiceover and stuff. That's exactly why I want to try it. Okay, we should probably tell them what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it allows you to use your mouse, keyboard, and trackpad across Mac and iPad. So you can use a single keyboard, mouse, or trackpad to work between your devices. So when you move from your Mac to your iPad, the cursor for your mouse will change from an arrow to a dot and will turn into whatever cursor is best for that device. It's really cool the way they've done it. In the demo, they showed the devices all lined up. They just move the mouse from one to another and it kind of like goes through this barrier and it's all of a sudden on the other screen and you can control stuff and drag stuff from one to the other. And people were curious, like, how does it know where all your devices are? It turns out it doesn't. They're just like, well, you know where your devices are, so you're going to move the cursor in the direction of where your other device is. And so we'll just make it as seamless as possible. We'll figure it out from there. It looks like it's going to work really well. Mm -hmm and be really useful for a lot of people, I think. I think it's more intuitive than using AirDrop all the time, because that's basically similar functionality. 
this for some people I think will feel more intuitive. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> That's not something I really thought about as kind of a different use case or maybe a substitution for airdrop. Yeah, hmm. it is because you can drag things from one to the other. It's similar to airdrop. Another thing that it's related to is universal clipboard. So you can, you know, type text on one thing or copy text on one thing and then paste it somewhere else. It's also similar functionality. Interesting. You can also set them up if you know you're going to use a Mac and an iPad together all the time. You can set it up to where they're just continuously linked in system preferences. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It works with up to three devices at a time. Does it matter what configuration it is? I don't know. We don't know a lot about it yet. I'm guessing I'm, not. I'm assuming it doesn't because they don't say it does. Next is another one I'm kind of excited about and I want to mess around with is AirPlay to Mac. This legitimately lets you take any content you're playing on your phone or your iPad and use the Mac as a secondary display slash speakers. This, I think, came about because of the new iMac that they just released, the one that comes in colors. It seems like they're trying to position it as another TV or another entertainment center in your home or apartment. If you have a small apartment, you might just want to have a computer and not have a bunch of different TVs and stuff like that. So for those of us who have mostly laptops, it isn't as useful unless you have it docked to an external display and nice speakers and stuff. It is good that this functionality is finally here. You can mirror or extend the display just like you can if you have a secondary display connected to it via cable. And you can use it as a secondary speaker for multi-room audio. It works wired or wirelessly, wired via USB. You can use it via USB if you want to make sure there's no latency or if you don't have access to Wi-Fi. That's pretty cool. They brought shortcuts to the Mac. I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> because when you first hear this, oh yeah, shortcuts on the Mac, you're like, oh no, they're going to dumb it down because it's from iOS. It is going to have all the native automator support and everything. If you are doing more advanced scripting already, you still can apparently do that. I think this will make it easier to create shortcuts that are cross-platform. You can even open your automator workflows in the shortcuts app. It'll import those. You can run iPhone and iPad shortcuts on a Mac with M1 or Intel-based Macs with Catalyst apps. There are system-wide shortcuts that can be launched pretty much from anywhere. Finder, menu bar, spotlight, dock, desktop, and more. Pro users can enable Apple script and shell script compatibility for more advanced shortcuts. Now we're on to accessibility. Uh, voiceover descriptions for PDF signatures. Thank God. <laughs> Yay. That's all I have to say. You can add custom descriptions to new and existing PDF signatures so you can use the right signature with voiceover. Oh, thank you. Uh, they improved full keyboard access with an expanded set of keyboard shortcuts. So if your mouse decides it wants to die or you're just lazy and don't want to put batteries in your mouse or trackpad, there you go. Or if you have accessibility needs. Yes. Or just because <laughs> using the keyboard is actually faster than moving your mouse and clicking on things. Yep. Ah, you can customize the mouse pointer. You can customize the outline and fill color of the mouse pointer so it's easier to recognize when it moves or changes to an insertion point. 
That's interesting. I don't think that's something I'll need because I've already made the mouse pointer as big as I can. So I think I'm good, but I do want to see it. I want to see what that's like. Uh, they did stuff to books. Uh, they redesigned it. They brought a bunch of iOS specific features like goals, reading now, and want to read to Mac. I'm glad they redesigned it. I hope it's better because the books app sucked, in my opinion. Uh, they've redesigned the search result stuff too. They come up as they type, etc., etc. Desktop and screensaver. What do they do here? There is a new hello screensaver that celebrates the history and progress of the Mac, and it's very, it's apparently very captivating. <laughs> Watches the word hello, writes on the screen in 34 different languages using a custom-designed 3D font inspired by the first Mac that debuted with hello on the screen. Interesting. I <laughs> am very sad that I can't see because I think that'd be cool to look at just once. Oh, there's also a hello desktop picture that comes in seven different colors and changes automatically from a light to dark version based on the time of day. They added shortcut support to the Finder. There's a new iCloud collaboration folder in the sidebar that contains all shared documents and displays information such as invitation status, the person who last modified a file, and other sharing-related metadata to help you manage it. That's cool. You'll have a better sense of copying thanks to a new pie chart progress window. You can stop and cancel a long copy session and resume it later. That's cool. So if I'm copying like 40 gigs worth of stuff to a hard drive, that is cool. I can pick it up later. They enhance to go to folder. Search results come up as you type thing. Windows automatically resize when moving them to a secondary display or an iPad using Sidecar or another Mac. Here we go. This is the fun stuff I wanted to talk about. You can now finally erase all content and settings without having to go into disk utility, format your hard drive, reinstall the operating system. It literally takes all your user stuff off and keeps the operating system just like it does on an iPhone. Yeah, that'll definitely make things easier so people aren't just going through and trying to delete things by hand, which any advanced <laughs> user knows that does not delete all your stuff. Nope. There are lots of files that you're not deleting, so these people aren't just deleting stuff by hand and then selling their computer with a user account already enabled because they don't know how to completely set it up as new. Yep. So this will definitely help with that. Exactly. It's only available on computers with T2 chip or M1 processor. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Because of the encryption keys that it right. creates. Mm -hmm. So it destroys them, yep. which is cool. Low power mode, only available on M1 machines. Yeah, also not surprising, but not surprising. a good feature. Good feature, awesome, yes. Mm -hmm. You can have Memoji as your login picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, okay. Uh-huh. It, like, shakes its head at you if you enter your password wrong. <laughs> oh, yes, I just saw that, uh-huh. <laughs> And you can even have it have it say, like, see you later when you log off or something. That's, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, if only it would talk. Passwords, here we go. Passwords and system preferences. So they moved that from Safari to system preferences. You can look up and manage your saved passwords for apps and websites. Import and export passwords. That is cool. Yes. Import passwords from other password managers into passwords and system preferences. You can export them too. Manage iCloud passwords on Windows. <sighs> <laughs> That's a good thing. We should definitely tell people. <laughs> you can access or manage your password saved in iCloud 
from a Windows device with the new iCloud for Windows password extension. Or iCloud passwords app, sorry, not an extension. Uh, there is a passwords extension for Microsoft Edge. Window management. You can swap out apps in split view. Ah, you click the green button, choose the option to change windows and pick any of your open windows. Cool. You can change a split view window to full screen and both of them go full screen if you have a split view setup. Ah, you can display the menu bar at all times in full screen so you can easily view the app menu. That's an awesome change for apps that I'm forced to use in full screen. Although I guess with VOM it doesn't necessarily matter, but it has caused some problems before. And that is all for macOS. Given everything we've read, what is your favorite feature? Bonus points if it's cross-platform. And even more bonus points if it's accessibility related. Cool, I get bonus points right off the bat because I'm going to say live text. Live text! Yay! <laughs> I love live text. I'm super excited about it. And I found out some more information. Apparently, it is related to the scribble feature. It's really cool because they've apparently trained it so that it doesn't matter if text is wrapped around something or slanted or handwritten and everything. It can still pull all that information. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Some of the newer features do depend on hardware. So you have to have one of the newer machines. And it's not because Apple doesn't like you. It's not because <laughs> Apple has a thing against blind people who can't afford new hardware. It's none of that. We're putting that out there right We're now. We're putting it out there because, yes, there are people who actually believe that. Apple has made these software improvements available on as many machines as possible. Did they, they drop any? They dropped some, yes. They did drop some Macs for Monterey. If you could update to iOS 14 or watchOS 7, you can update to the newer versions. Now, do I recommend it, especially like Colin Knight Watch Series 3? No. I should give a response as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> the biggest deal for most people is going to be the new FaceTime improvements. And those, of course, work on iOS, iPadOS, and macOS. I think that's a big deal for most people. In some ways it's a good thing for us as well everyone can watch their own version of whatever show even if you're not in the same place one person can have audio description on and another person doesn't have to have it and it's all synced up i think that's pretty awesome if i'm just talking about accessibility features that make me excited assistive touch on the apple watch oh yeah that is super cool and i know it's not cross-platform so i lose points for that oh well it's really mind-blowing to me that they were able to do this somehow. You just <clears throat> use your thumb and, and forefinger mostly and, and do gestures, like different hand gestures, and like move your hand and your arm to control stuff on your watch. It's like, what? I That's going to be one of those things where even though, yes, I don't need it, it's just going to be one of those things where I think I'm just going to have fun with it. We're definitely going to have to try it out and see how it works with voiceover. I know you were saying that some people think they can use it. Like uh, hands-free. Kind of like with a cane. Use it with voiceover so that they don't have to. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how well it'll work with voiceover. <laughs> it, it'll be worth a shot, though. I want to see. Yes, definitely want to see. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Covecast. If you have a favorite feature that's coming up in iOS 15, iPadOS 15, watchOS 8, or macOS Monterey, let us know. We're very excited and can't wait to start testing everything when the public betas are released in July. If you like this episode of the podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends and reach out to us on social media and let us know what you think. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Covecast, K-O-V-E-K-A-S-T. We are also on Facebook with the same name. Our links are in our link tree, which you can check out. I'll put it in the show notes. And you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Yesian, Y-E-S-S-I-E-A-N-N-E. I am at Rarface, R-A-A-A-A, so four A's. R-F-A-C-E. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.